Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Bauer and Rose Show right here on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125, Bauer and Rose Podcast, also by our good friends, sponsored justthenews.com. Make sure and give us a five-star rating, uh, sign up, and get all of our podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. A lot to talk about uh, today as we uh, head into a new week, the, the Brittany Griner prisoner swap, the shadow banning at Twitter, which uh, uh, conservatives are all uh, a Twitter about. Uh, and then there's the, the, the issue we want to get into later in the day, the irony of um, these anti-Semites confusing or accusing philo-Semites of being anti-Semites. And there are some interesting election facts that have come out over the past. Wait a minute. For those who are not as, as it don't have the same vocabulary, Tom, as you do, which would be basically everybody. What he just said, folks, is that there's a great irony in people who hate Israel accusing people who love Israel of, of hating Israel. Exactly. <laughs> of of uh, uh, but the big news on Friday, and I, I want to hit you with this first because I don't know what to make of it. My my hunch is I'm somewhat skeptical that it's going to mean much. Uh, Kristen Cinema, Kirsten Cinema. The Zero. Uh, formerly zero. Okay, good. <laughs> she announced on Friday morning that she's quote unquote leaving the Democrat Party. She will now uh, register formally as an independent. But on organization day, uh, she either will vote for Chuck Schumer as Democrat leader or she won't. And it won't make any difference because he'll still get the 50 votes, right? Yeah, no, she's not going to vote against this. She's She's made it clear she's going to vote with the Democrats to organize the Senate. Uh, I don't. So it doesn't mean a damn thing. It doesn't mean a thing. Um, Now, I think the political reason for it or an explanation for it is that Arizona is one of those states used to be overwhelmingly Republican. Uh, It's it's been changing. The demographics have been changing. But I believe that self-identified independence, which is not the same thing, folks, as moderates. This is a big mistake that is made in the Republican Party. They say to, they hear people saying, I'm an independent. They go, oh, we got to move to the middle. We got to move to the middle is what the Republican Party says. No, wrong, wrong, wrong. We can do a whole class on this if it's needed. Um, but in Arizona, I think now a plurality of voters say that they're independents. And I think she's just setting up her own re-election bid. She'll be the third independent in the United States Senate, and all three of them vote with the Democrats. So there's the Democrat Democrats, the independent Democrats, and there's the Republicans, and they break down to real Republicans and the uh, rhino mob or rhino stampede we periodically see. Well, so why is conservative media... Uh, 
going so hysterically crazy that it's a huge blow for Joe Biden, a huge victory for Republicans? I, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I get up as early as you do, and I, I, I haven't seen any of that. I mean, I know that Fox News broke in breathlessly when they weren't breaking in breathlessly about uh, the the uh, uh, WNBA player coming yeah. arriving in San Antonio. Uh, by the way, she's going to hold a press conference this afternoon. Well, as the White uh, House Griner, Griner right. is to announce that she's an independent, <laughs> and that will mean as much and <laughs> how she votes as as uh, Sonoma's announcement. You I, know, if only if only this this poor decorated Marine and career law enforcement officer Paul Whalen, uh, who's been rotting in a Russian jail for for four years as part of a sixteen year sentence at, at hard labor for, for bogus, trumped-up espionage charges. If only he'd been a black, woke, lesbian basketball player who hates her country. Uh, marijuana smoking, by the way. Uh, maybe he, too, would be uh, home tonight. You, you, you know, yeah. but as, as the White House proclaimed yesterday in one of the most shocking statements, Brittany Griner represents the best of America. And you know what, Gary? I think they actually believe that. Oh, look, I have no doubt. I mean, I wish it was just um, uh, a seedy trade. Right. Yeah. Where, and and, their, and that their comment was just, um, you, you know, political irony or, or whatever. But they know they actually believe this. Look, uh, it, it was just about six weeks ago, I recall, eight weeks ago, maybe where Nancy Pelosi went to a uh drag queen show i it might be one of the ones that's on some of the cable stations or whatever okay she is represents san francisco i guess you got to do a lot of strange things when you represent san francisco but she goes to the show and she looks at all these men dressed as if they were women and and often tom dressed in ways that mock women In other words, the very dressing as a woman is done in a way that emphasizes certain body parts. I mean, if 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 any normal person was caught doing that at a party, they would be they would be attacked for mocking women. Or, you know, if you wear blackface, you're called a racist. So people, uh, you know, taking the identity of somebody else's race or gender or whatever, I, I'm not sure what the distinction is there, but she goes, she's out on this stage. She's looking at all, many of these really strange looking people and she takes a deep breath and she puts her hands out and she says, you are what America is all about. Now, you could have a lot of views about, you know, I mean, men that want to dress up like women in America you you can do that. There's not going to be a policeman knocking on your door and taking you away. But we go from that to it's really important to get men dressed up like women to read to your seven-year-old child because it will broaden his mind. And then we go to the speaker, then speaker of the house, going to a show filled with men dressing like women. And she says to them, you are the meaning of America. This will come as quite a surprise, not only to Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, uh, where, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It would come as quite a surprise to virtually every American that has ever, ever lived and had the good fortune to live in a place called America 
up until about 10 years ago. Virtually everybody up until about 10 years ago would have said, okay, I'm fine with them doing that, but this is not the defining thing about America. It's actually a little freaky. And do you really want to tell the world that this is the meaning of America? Now, of course, Tom, they can't tell the world world the meaning of America is free speech, the right to say what you want, the, the right to worship and not have to give up your religious liberty because a bunch of goofballs in Congress passed a law that now will make it easier to sue a Christian that just lives his faith. So we're, we're, uh, you know, it used to be, oh, this is insane. Then, then it, then it became, we're really living in strange times. Now, Tom, we're, we're just, we're heading to the pits of hell as quickly as our spindly little manly legs dressed in women's dresses will carry us. Well, that's a, that's a lovely, a lovely metaphor. I have to wonder, you know, Joe Biden moved hell and earth to get this this pothead who broke Russia's drug laws. I mean, I, I, I'm glad she's home. The drug laws seem quite draconian to me, but I'm not a Russian citizen. I don't pass Russian laws. And when in Rome, do as the Romans do. If there are laws, published uh, well-known laws against drug smuggling in Russia, my advice is not to drug smuggle into Russia. We still don't know how many Americans uh, were left behind in, Af- in Afghanistan when we, when we abandoned our mission there. But you can bet your bottom dollar, Gary, that if any of them had been a leftist gay basketball player who boycotted uh, the national anthem, we would have sent in as many troops as possible. You know, in the old days, it was women and children first. Today, the, does- the left doesn't even believe there are such things as women. But when it comes to <laughs> hostage swaps... When it comes to getting our people back, it's equity first. The black, woke, lesbian, left-wing celebrity goes first, and the decorated Marine rots in a Russian prison. Yeah, isn't that amazing? That, that's amazing, Tom. It's a great analysis. And look, uh, if we traded this uh, merchant of death or whatever the heck is... Uh, his moniker is. Guy's name it's, is Victor Bout, a uh, notorious Russian arms dealer uh, who worked with everybody from Al Qaeda to Hezbollah. Uh, considered long considered the most dangerous arms merchant in death. Uh, arms and his merchant. Big product, the, yeah, his big product that he was offering in the market was missiles capable of taking down taking down domestic airliners. Uh, gee, uh, that certainly sounds like a guy. We need to send back to uh, Putin in the middle of the war that uh, the, the Biden administration and virtually every other person in Washington, D.C.'s uh, forever war uh, establishment is, is telling us is the most important war that mankind has ever seen. Uh, and it is ironic, it, isn't it, that after six years of accusations that Republicans were you know, Putin's pawns and that Trump was a, a Russian asset. Biden just gave Vladimir Putin his biggest win of all, handing him Victor Bout in exchange for a pothead. Yeah. The, the great irony would be and tragedy would be if one of the planes were sending supplies uh, with stuff uh, to Europe for Ukraine uh, a couple months down the road ends up getting 
shot down by a, an unidentified missile launched from some unidentified place, uh, which may very well be courtesy of this uh, of this arms merchant. Uh, it, it, look, the guy's 55, year, five, 55 years old, folks. This is not one of these examples of you know, releasing the, the 98-year-old jihadists in Gitmo that, you know, uh, whose threat to kill himself is sort of beside the point. You know, he's 98 <laughs> years old. This, you know, this guy is 55. He's got a lot of productive years for evil ahead of him. And uh, the president just just made a swap. Now, Tom, I've seen some reports that uh, Russia uh, offered us something during the Trump uh, years and but wanted this guy and Trump turned it down. I think John Bolton said that. It, is that accurate? Do you recall that? I, I do not recall. Um, my guess is and remember, um, <clears throat> pardon me, um, our uh, national Security Advisor Robert O'Brien, before the president promoted him to uh, replace John Bolton as our national security advisor, he was our hostage negotiator, and he did a fabulous job. He got four Americans out of North Korea for nothing. Uh, when he, when uh, Robert O'Brien went around the world freeing Americans, he took a giant club with him, not pallets of cash. In other words. If you know what's good for you, you will release our Americans. He got Americans out of uh, from from uh, warlords in the deepest, darkest parts of Africa in exchange for virtually nothing other than threats. So, I, I mean, what we do know <clears throat> is that thousands of people, literally thousands of people, spent years trying to hunt down this this. Victor Bout. And when they finally caught him, Gary, they caught him in the act of delivering, I think it was 100 surface-to-air missiles, 20,000 high-powered rifles to these Marxist guerrillas in Colombia, whose purpose was to bring down that pro-American government uh, to more easily uh, kill Americans who were fighting uh, the drug trade down there. So basically, we traded the world's most sophisticated and accomplished illicit arms trafficker to terrorists for, you know, a tattooed uh, a, a basketball player who broke Russia's drug laws uh, while refusing to stand for our national anthem proudly. You, you, you know, Tom, um, everything that happens, particularly when government does it, uh, it's not only a policy decision, but it's a teaching moment, right? I mean, We've talked about this over the years, and I've written about this. In every society, a certain set of values is always held up as being the values you want our children to learn. These are the values that are noble and good and decent. These are the ways to live your life. And then there's a set of values which you go, now avoid these things. That Don't do that. That's a... You know, embracing that as a fool's errand, stay away from these things and so forth. There is no society in the world that is completely neutral on values. There may be countries that do some version of live and let live, but there's always a set of things that are promoted, a set of things that are denied. So just in this one narrow area, uh, we're having a big problem right now filling um, the military with people that are willing to put their lives on the line for America. 
we're, we're also experiencing at the same time a massive drop in patriotism among young Americans. They go through the left-wing indoctrination centers that we euphemist- euphemistically call universities, and they come out little neo-Marxists who aren't you know, have no interest in defending America. They want to bring America down. They want to remake it, et cetera. So think of the two. You mentioned the the the, the uh, service people that died in, in Kabul trying to rescue women and babies. People were handing their babies over the wall to, to get them to evil America. Every young person that watched that and thought, yeah, that's what I really want to do. I want to join the military so I can die in some godforsaken place and be forgotten in about two weeks in a war that we never actually ended up winning because we were never willing to win it. And then, you know, let, let's look at let's look at it another way. Do I want to join the Marines or do I want to become part of the LGBTMQ? You know, which one is is most valued by America? Well, in this administration, it's the professional basketball player. The White House said from the podium yesterday, Tom, that um, she uh, was the this, best of America. Yeah, this young lady, uh, it, it means a great deal to the LGBTQ and women of color uh, in, in America, really. So that's how we rescue now. We rescue depending on, you know, how many people in the population. I mean, gee, the, the, with the falling uh, regard for our military, we'll, you, we'll, never, <laughs> we'll never rescue another guy in the military. You know, it's just I, I feel for that guy's family. Oh, I, I feel for him. Um, it, it is, um, it, it is a heartbreaking time in our country, Tom. I, I, I was, I li- was driving last night and I, uh, heard Mark Levin. He made a great point. If we give up Victor Bout for this woman, what in the world do we have left to give them to get this hero out? We just gave up all of our cards, our best card to get a dope smoking, tattoo laden, um, uh, Brittany Griner, who I'm, look, I'm glad she's back, uh, you know, nine years at hard labor or whatever her sentence was for, for marijuana possession seems extreme. But again, I don't make Russian laws. Those are the laws of Russia. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, remember uh, under the Biden, uh, uh, the Obama-Biden administration, uh, we went to extraordinary lengths uh, to get back this deserter. Uh, Bergdahl, yeah, yeah, and uh, who, who's who's you know the, the general consensus is he abandoned his post to go over to the other side. Correct. Uh, and uh, some Americans died looking for him, and yet we made an incredible trade of people out of Gitmo to get to get him back. He was brought to the White House. He and his family were feeded. I mean, they were, you know, it was a big deal. It was supposed to be a big victory, et cetera. It's interesting uh, who the left, when they're in power, chooses uh, to rescue and who they don't. Now, Tom, I don't want to give him any idea, but could, you know, could we be completely surprised if we find out that they're negotiating with Russia right now uh, to give them Trump in exchange for the Marine? <laughs> We're going to, we're going to, on that note, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad free? 
good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome back, everybody. The Bauer and Rose Show right here on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125. And we podcast as well at YouTube, uh, Google Play, Spotify. I should probably write that down wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by our good friends at JustTheNews.com. I saw a piece the other day. This wasn't on our on our highlight reel, but um, by our good friend uh, Daniel Hannon about the uh, completely different reaction to lockdowns that our media has suddenly uh, adopted with virtually no uh, comment whatsoever. These brave Chinese protesters who are resisting the lockdowns, the COVID zero, the wacko COVID zero policy in China are being celebrated by our media as they should be. Um, but remember how they treated those people in America who tried to resist lockdowns? They spent all of 2020 calling anyone who uh, protested against or complained against the excessive lockdowns here kooks, criminals, uh, uh, conspiracy nuts, uh, that we're out to murder other Americans, we have blood on our hands, and now they're applauding their uh, Chinese counterparts they see ordinary people standing up against an authoritarian government uh, as noble when it's outside the United States, but they condemn those who do precisely the same thing in the United States. Well, I think that's I think it's true that some of the media are commending those protesters in China. But, you know, the White House and it was, was very uh, reluctant and very slow the side with those protesters in, in communist China. And, and even when they finally did issue a statement under a great deal of pressure, um, they, they wouldn't get too specific about it. And, uh, the, you know, that apologist that uh, is a former military guy himself uh, that, that speaks at the White House on these types of issues. Admiral Kirby. Said, yeah, yeah said, well, we, we always support peaceful, uh, peaceful dissent. Uh, yeah, you, the you protesters know, which, which, are speaking for themselves. They don't need us. They're speaking right, for yeah. themselves. How convenient <laughs> that they don't need us, right? That he couldn't bring himself. And But then if you think about it, Tom, what, what would he say? I mean, if he got too specific about condemning the lockdowns and siding with the protesters, it would come, you know, it would be a boomerang that would come right back and hit the White House in the face because uh, they, they kept these lockdowns going as long as they could. And, and by the by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, it, it wasn't just uh, telling people to stay in their homes, not going to work. Uh, they closed our schools. And people in the medical community, people in the educational community that went public and said, this is wrong. This is going to hurt our children permanently. Some kids will fall so far behind, they'll never catch up. And ironically given the, the way politics uh plays itself out in polit- in the in the United States the kids hurt the most are are from minority communities and low income communities whose 
populations most reliably vote Democrat. So those kids were terribly hurt. And as you just alluded to, and it kind of uh, segues into the Twitter uh, story today, when professors, medical doctors and others went public or went on Twitter and pointed out that the research and the science completely contradicts what uh, big government was during, doing during the COVID pandemic, uh, they, they were censored. They were blacklisted. They were shadow banned. And then when they complained about it and when conservatives generally said, you know, my, my tweets don't get out. I, you know, I, I think something's going on at Twitter. They accused us of being, uh, conspiracy theorists. And what does that do? Well, that further delegitimizes you. You're not just a conservative, but you're a promoter of conspiracy theories. But then, Tom, it takes another step. The FBI has said several times in the last year they're worried about domestic terrorism. They're particularly worried about, you know, growing white supremacy and white nationalism and so forth. And they've said in a number of releases they've made that they're very concerned that people, Americans, are being radicalized by conspiracy theorists and the radicalization might lead to violence. So you're a professor at Stanford and you raise questions about how COVID was being fought. You're shadow banned at Twitter. When you complain about being shadow banned, you're labeled a conspiracy theorist. And then a few months later, the FBI says it's conspiracy theorists that are radicalizing the American people and are causing violence. That's some road we just traveled. Uh, a lot of dystopian uh, authors that wrote great books about this sort of thing would look at that and go, yeah, that's pretty well the plot line right there. Yeah, no, look, I mean, the media is still able to completely control the narrative and the narrative is everything and it doesn't matter that their ratings are collapsing and their revenue is collapsing and their credibility is collapsing not simply because they create and impose establishment opinion upon the rest of the country and the rest of the culture but because the media outlets that try to fight against them don't have a fraction of their resources and as we've seen this week through all the twitter file leaks uh, those done through big tech, get shadow banned, get uh, detrended or whatever the term is. Look, the left doesn't win because its positions are more popular. They're not more popular. It doesn't have to. The media is everything. And that's the problem, I think. They win because they create the narrative, they shape it, they control it. Um, and in turn, that narrative is created by the left, which is why outlets like Sirius XM Channel 125 and Just the News uh, that fight back have got to have the resources necessary to conduct that fight, to uh, uh, commit that fight. I heard Gingrich, I guess it was last night on Fox, say something I thought was very interesting, that as we become more tribal uh, as a country and as a culture, our we don't... We're, we're far less persuadable. He used the example 
of him being a Green Bay Packer fan. Now, the Packers are having a terrible year, but that's not going to change the fact that he's a Packer fan. He's a Packer fan because he's a Packer fan. So whether they win or whether they lose, it doesn't matter. Whether they have good ideas or bad ideas, it doesn't matter. Whether they're hurting the country or helping the country, it doesn't matter. And his fear is that that's what's happened to too many Americans. Uh, The example he used was John Fetterman. I mean, who in God's name would vote for a person like that to hold any position of responsibility when he's half of Pennsylvania. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, look, it's interesting because one of the narratives out here out there right now is that we didn't do as well as expected in Senate races because we we picked really bad candidates. Well, the we in that sentence is Republican primary voters. So the people making this analysis who are the creme de la creme of the Republican Party are doing what comes most natural to them. They're attacking Republicans, their own base, and they're saying that the voters made the wrong choice in the primaries. The wrong choice compared to what? I mean, you know, uh, Dr. Oz wasn't my first pick in Pennsylvania, but he was a worse candidate than Fetterman. You know, uh, let's say that uh, Herschel Walker, you you know, uh, wasn't smooth hadn't been molded by political consultants, but that ex- that explains why um, eighty thousand more Georgians, uh, something over one point eight million of them, or whatever, voted for a quote unquote pastor that is an anti semite that has said he's pro abortion because that's what Jesus would do. Uh, I mean, really, the problem in Georgia was. You know, Herschel Walker just was incredible. No, I, I think it's I think it's quite different than that. A big part of it is they'll vote for anybody that is got that D next to their name because people have bought into the left. And then on top of that, Tom, you've got a universal media that squelches or um, puts a blanket over anything we're trying to say while it magnifies all the things about the dem- the, the leftists we're running against. And then the third factor is. They are killing us on money. Oh, it was $100 million against Herschel Walker. $100 million. And that that actually is my, my next point here. Republicans focus on campaigns. Democrats focus on elections. That's the difference. Waiting until mid-October to start TV campaigns after Democrats have had six to eight weeks, A, of early voting, and B, the ability to pump tens upon tens of millions of dollars in smear campaigns against their opponent, uh, spending money then misses the point. Vote, let's, the, on, the honest fact is, and I hate it, voting starts in more than 20 states in early September. Early voting is a fact. We got to figure this out or we continue to lose elections. And it's been a couple of weeks now since the midterms. And I remember our podcast the morning after, two mornings after, and it was the It was the media narrative. And again, I think this is part of the problem with the Republican establishment, our apparatus, our logistics operation. Now we know that Republicans won 51% of the vote. Democrats won 47% of the vote. That's a six-point swing in our favor since 2020. And remember, 2020, despite... Trump losing was a very good year for Republicans. We picked up 16 seats. So I think if that had gotten out, that news had gotten out, the uh, 
uh, mental status, if you will, the mood of Republicans would be very different. There was a lot of good news in this election that people missed, we missed, Republicans missed, because let's face it, we focus on individual campaigns. They focus on the big picture. Democrats are way ahead of us. We're always, you know, we're always, it seems to me, Gary, we're always a lap behind them. We're always fighting defense. They're always on offense, uh, and we're fighting the last campaign. You were husbanding our money until the last two weeks, at, you know, after 70% of the people have already voted. Yeah, well, Tom, look, look, at the, uh, look, look at the January 6th committee, right? January 6th committee is put together uh, after the events of January 6th. Uh, it is massively funded by the Democrats. They conduct a kangaroo court uh, you, you, you know, there's no ability to defend yourself. Uh, they're going to come out with a report soon that's going to be a yeah, – I'll guarantee you it's going to be a neutron bomb aimed at conservatives and Republicans and so forth. Nobody in the Democrat Party, no one said during all of that, I don't know, you think we could be alienating the American people? Because the polling data shows that um, Americans, I mean, they didn't like what happened on January 6th, but that's not the number one issue for them. So shouldn't we be using our time and our resources to do more things for the American people? No Democrat was arguing that. We win the House of Representatives promising, among other things, that we're going to conduct investigations if we win to go after Hunter Biden. And what happens as soon as we win? A number of the Republicans go to the microphone and go, I hope we're going to be cautious about you know going down that road of doing investigations because that's not what the American people are expecting. We are the stupid party, Tom. There's just no other way around it. We seem to attract stupidity <laughs> the way sugar attracts an ant. And I don't know how to stop it. I mean, Part of it is we've got a bunch of people that, you know, talking about who we run for office, we've we've got a bunch of senators that ran on the Republican ticket over the years for one reason. They could self-fund their campaigns, and the Republican Party loves that. And so these guys and ladies win their their seats, and they don't have an ideological bone in their body. They're globalists in their own way. They're more interested in carried interests and big, you know, big business and so forth. And they definitely don't want to get into any of those icky issues about the sanctity of life and religious liberty and, you know, transgenderism and all the rest of it. And God forbid they would ever do anything to rein in the state universities turning out every year thousands and thousands of new leftists. No, that would be inappropriate to do anything about that. So we, we, it's like we go into every battle with half our brain tied behind our backs. And we don't get our message out. We simply don't. We assume <clears throat> that our positioning um, is that of the other side, right? Conservatives are hostile to Biden, naturally, obviously. He's ruining the country. Um, and as he's done so, he's only built upon the left-wing, you know, woke, big socialist government model. But most people who dislike Biden apparently, you know, don't dislike him enough uh, to change their perceptions or their persuasions. You're listening to the Bauer and Rose Show on Sirius XM, The Patriot 125 and JustTheNews.com. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee. 
Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you, the Bauer and Rose Show. Uh, every Sunday here on Sirius XM and the Patriot Channel 125, and we podcast as well at justthenews.com. Uh, make sure and give us a five-star rating, whether you think we're worth it or not. That's how Bauer gets paid. Um, I got to talk. We haven't hit upon this, but I think we need to talk about it. It's been a couple of weeks since the uh, uh, notorious dinner at Mar-a-Lago uh, that the president foolishly held. I'm not going to defend it. It was terrible with uh, Kanye West and whose now name is, I don't know, yay or something of that kind. And um, this person who, frankly, I'd never heard of. Uh, I have kids older than this other punk, Nick Fuentes, whatever, who I guess came in with Kanye and I know the president. I'm not an intimate of his, but I worked for him for four years. Uh, his problem is that he likes people. And if somebody shows up for dinner or he extended a dinner invitation, he has he rarely eats a meal alone, Gary. He's a very, very social person. I know people are thinking, oh, who is this crackpot anti-Semite apologist uh, trying to excuse away Donald Trump's Frankly, inexcusable meeting. The president knows that. He understands that. And as bad as Ye's anti-Semitism is, and it's bad, okay, um, and it's a dangerous voice, um, Palestinian anti-Semitism, left-wing anti-Semitism, the anti-Semitism that frankly is advanced by almost every member of the Biden administration involved in Mideast policy or U.S.-Israel relations, I think, is far worse. Why? Because fortunately, uh, people like you, Gary Bauer, a great champion of the state of Israel, a great champion of the Jewish people, would be the first one out of the gate to condemn uh, Kanye West or this other, this other punk for their outrageous comments praising Hitler. We owe Hitler a great deal of thanks today, you know, all that kind of garbage. But on the left, they don't do that. Why? Because they don't really believe it. And today, and this is my hobby horse. Most American Jewish leaders, unfortunately, are mum, and they have been mum since the beginning of the Biden administration. We were more vocal, uh, opposed to uh, Barack Obama's uh, anti-Israel sentiments than we have been with Joe Biden. Uh, He's filled his administration with too many Israel haters to count. This really is Barack Obama's third term when it comes to uh, Israel and the Middle East. And I think the source of this, Gary, and you you can take a step back and provide uh, commentary on whether or not I'm reading too much into this. I think the real source here is that too many American Jews and certainly American Jewish leaders have begun to internalize the narrative that believes that uh, Palestinians uh, uh, are brutally oppressed, that Israel is a vicious occupying power, that Israel is a greater source of ill than a source of good, not just inside Israel, but throughout the Middle East. And then you have this this wonderful kind of Alice in Wonderland phenomenon of watching anti-Semites like Al Sharpton and even Ilan Omar, 
Ilan Omar on cable television condemning fake anti-Semites. The irony of watching Al Sharpton get on television and condemning Donald Trump for anti-Semitism, that's just too, that's too rich. Yeah, I mean, Al Sharpton's uh, rhetoric resulted or helped contribute to uh, riots in New York uh, by uh, a, a number of anti-Semites who attacked Orthodox Jews and killed beat them. them on the street. Killed and, them. Yeah, and that, that lasted for several days, as I recall history. Uh, and, and yet Sharpton today, you know, is uh, welcomed in all the high places. And uh, his endorsement is still coveted by many liberal politicians uh, in, in New York State and, and elsewhere. Um, as a Christian conservative, Tom, who's pro-Israel, uh, talk about walking on eggs, me critiquing the American Jewish <laughs> you're, community. You're right. That was unfair. <laughs> yeah, about uh, what about what's going wrong in their thought process. I'll, I'll leave that from you because uh, uh, you've, you've got a record of doing this regularly. I will say this. My, my support for Israel has never waned. I see them as um, a, a great ally, really the only reliable ally we have in the Middle East. I also have a scriptural reason. Uh, I'm one of those uh, people that, that believe that the Bible, uh, both Old and New Testament, actually is the Word of God. And uh, I remember growing up hearing about a meeting in the desert between uh, God and Abram, in which God said to Abram, I will be your God, you will be my people, he who blesses you I will bless, he who curses you I will curse. And I went to a Southern Baptist church. Yeah, right? That's the that that too. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, that's the the the, the, yeah. the the biblical Hebrew. Go forth to the land I have promised you. Yes. And I uh, I had I went to a Southern Baptist church, and our pastor regularly brought up the covenant nature of the relationship, a biblical relationship between uh, the Jews and and. Uh, and God, I, now I admit that occasionally my support is challenged a little bit. I got invited to um, debate a female rabbi a number of years ago uh, among um, uh, a group of attendees to a conference that. One and of you the realize, groups, I don't mean to interrupt. You realize today there'd be no such debate. You're you're so beyond the pale that the, they won't debate yeah, us probably. anymore. No, they won't probably. debate us anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, so the, I, I went and I debated and it ended up being a fine, uh, a fine event. But, but the invitation for the event, and I'm only slightly exaggerated, exaggerated, boiled down to, Mr. Bauer, we would like to respectfully ask you to come to our meeting on such and such a date in Washington, D.C. at the, you know, Hyatt Grand or whatever it was and debate Rabbi so and so on why the American Jewish community should be comfortable accepting support from people like you. <laughs> And I thought, wow, how can you turn down a debate like that? Now, now I don't know what they thought people like me were, but by the time I spent an hour with them, I was the toast of the room. I had to ask them to go easy on the female rabbi. Because there's no – because we have no – we – we are filled with these caricatures of evangelicals that is condescending, <clears throat> it's patronizing, it's filled with insecurity. This is Tom Rose, by the way, not Bauer. I don't want to, you know, if there's going to be a pogrom, if there's going to be a pogrom, uh, make it at my house. But, and I, Gary, this is my life, okay? I mean, 
I marinate in this stuff since I was five years old. And every time they meet somebody like Bauer, <clears throat> it has to be, uh, on the best case scenario, an exception, right? He has to be, that can't be the way they all are. Uh, there's a, and it's, I think it's all born out of insecurity. Evangelical Christians, faithful Christians, are secure people. They know who they are. They know what they believe. They're proud of their... Uh, uh, of their biblical fidelity, they're uh, committed to uh, propagating the gospel, they don't demonstrate any of the neuroses that seem to be written, imprinted upon our DNA. And I think that makes us jealous as hell. Well, that's interesting, <laughs> Tom. I won't comment one way or the other on that, but let, let me just say this. Well, two things. Uh, uh, the idea that Donald Trump is an anti-Semite is so bizarre. Oh, bizarre. Donald sick. Trump has more Jewish grandchildren than most of the people crit- calling him an anti-Semite. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's got a he's got a Jewish son-in-law. His daughter converted to to uh, to Judaism, and they're and they're they're Orthodox Jews. <clears throat> they're they're Bible observing, uh, Jewish religious law observing Jews. They keep the Sabbath. <clears throat> pardon me. They keep the dietary laws. Meanwhile, unlike you know. Trump's stupid hosting of this, and it was a stupid, boneheaded, bad thing to do, totally inexcusable. On the other side, you've got numerous meetings, too numerous to count, uh, that the likes of Bill Clinton, Joe Biden, Barack Obama, every member of the Congressional Black Caucus have repeatedly with Jew haters like Louis Farrakhan. And then they, they hide the photos of the meeting. I mean, they know what they're doing because they know that if the photos get out, it's going to be a problem. But they meet, they do the meetings anyway. Right. And they're celebrated for them later by the very same people to this day. Unless something has changed in the last 12 hours that I'm not aware of, the Democrat Party leadership and corporate media still lionize and protect the blatantly anti-Semitic Jew-hating BLM uh, movement as some kind of untouchable religious icon, while the unapologetic Jew-haters in the squad, Elon Omar, Rashida Tlaib, AOC, they're treated like superstars. Yeah. Now, you know, a couple of those folks, Tom, uh, 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 Congressman uh, McCarthy, uh, who's likely to be Speaker of the House, has made it clear he's going to kick some of those people off of the committees they serve on. You can't have blatantly open anti-Semites and Israel haters and, quite frankly, in many ways, American haters serving on the House Intelligence Committee, serving on the House Foreign Relations Committee. Uh, I mean, so it's, uh, you know, hopefully there'll be some progress on that. Tom, Dennis Prager uh, has said publicly that because of the centuries of persecution, that um, that many Jews have inherited uh, almost a psychological disorder. He's right. Because of all that persecution and all the death and all of the things that the Jewish people have endured – and and he describes it if i if i recall correctly that that when a, a jew will meet a gentile like me somewhere in, according to prager in the depths in the of their brain and not that they, deep yeah they're asking the question if things really get bad would this guy who says he likes me hide me in his attic 
or would he turn me in? For a potato. That's exactly it. Look, I haven't heard that. It's brilliant. It's absolutely right. I think Jews, we live with a Holocaust every day. I remember Bernie Sanders in 2020 uh, uh, tried to make hay of the fact that, uh, you know, don't tell me about Jewish suffering. I've had relatives who died in the Holocaust. There's no Jew on the planet that didn't have relatives that died in the Holocaust. We lost 35% of our people, more than one-third. I had aunts, uncles, I hear the story all the time. They came to America shortly before World War I, couldn't hack it, was too tough. They went back up in smoke. I mean, every Jew has stories like that. Literally up in smoke. Yeah, exactly. No, so it's... um, uh, I, you're absolutely right. And the irony, of course, is that the people who would go to bat, who would back us up, are the same people who fight for causes like abolition of slavery, uh, the right to life. In other words, evangelical Christians. I'm beginning only to get a little idea of, of the mindset we're talking about because I find myself, as events continue in America, beginning to wonder, gee, I wonder who will hide me in their <laughs> attic. <laughs> we got to go. We're over time. Have a great weekend, a great uh, start of the week, and we will talk to you later right here on the Bower and Rose Show and the Bower and Rose Podcast. God bless. God bless.